genre. In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. Today, we're recording from L.A. while some of my listeners are stuck in Tucson. We're talking about Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion with returning guest Josh Kaufman. So, Josh, is Romeo and Michelle a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? I think I can say um, should be slash could be with qualifications. You know, this this movie to me is an almost perfect comedy i've probably seen it 30 times can i can i actually start with a with a little anecdote sam that um that reminds me of you okay so when i first met sam um we were in a writing group together and as i learned more about him he mentioned that he had family in tucson and i believe it was for maybe a jewish high holy day he was returning to tucson to see the family and i said to him well, woo, Tucson, here we come. Let me do that again. <clears throat> and I said, woo, woo, Tucson, here we come. And Sam looked at me like I had three heads. And I was like, wait, you, you've, you've never seen Romy and Michelle? Like, he had not seen Romy and Michelle. The joke totally landed on deaf ears. So I'm really so happy that he has finally seen this, especially being from Tucson. Yeah, well, this is genuinely the first time I've watched V. For whatever reason, I have a weird aversion to watching content that takes place in my hometown, and I don't know why. So until I needed to watch it for this podcast, I'd never seen Romeo and Michelle. I've still never watched Hamlet 2. Like, I'm sure there are other things that take place in Tucson. Like, I, I kind of... St- I stopped uh, watching Last mm. Man on Earth, but I, that wasn't, I was enjoying that. I just never got back to it. I don't know. There's a fair number of Tucson content, like a surprising number of Tucson content. But you watch things that take place in L.A. Yeah, I don't know why. Like, like it's just, it, it's like so Tucson specific. Like, I lived in New York, and it's not like I wouldn't watch things that happened in New York. Like, even, you know, I grew up in Boston. It's like, I would watch things that took place in Boston. Tucson, man, like, what is it with Tucson and... and uh your aversion to Tucson stories. I, I wasn't not watching them for any particular reason. It just, for whatever reason, I just didn't. I don't mean to put you on the spot or anything. No, because one of the things I'm going to be bringing up is it was weird watching this movie because I've done this. Like, everything that happens in this movie is a thing I have done. Not everything, but, like, obviously the less heightened versions of everything. But, like, the idea of yes. I'm living in Tucson, or I'm sorry, I'm... It's super it's relatable. Specifically to me. I'm living in LA and I went back to Tucson for my 10-year high school reunion. I did this. Uh, this is an experience I had. And I had to like go back and tell people about mm-hmm. living in LA. And if, I don't know why I never watch these movies, but it was always one of those movies. I'm like, I'll have a reason to watch it eventually. It just wasn't ever a priority. Right, right. I actually, so I got some years on you, Sam. And I actually was able to watch this uh, before my 10-year reunion because it came out quite a bit before my 10-year reunion. But I probably watched this 10 times before my 10-year <laughs> reunion. 
because I knew that there'd be so much, I mean, I guess in my mind, I was thinking that there'd be similarities. I didn't say that I invented post-its, but there was like, I don't know, like there's a lot of kernels of truth to, uh, to the story. I mean, part of me wishes I'd watched this movie prior to my 10-year high school reunion, because I then would have gone back to Tucson and said I invented post-its just to see who got the reference, because how many other people get to say they're at their 10-year high school reunion in Tucson, Arizona, and now it's just a missed opportunity. And actually, Sam, I'm surprised that no one else at your reunion even did this. Like, how weird is that? Well, they might have, but I didn't know. I would have been the person who didn't get the joke. Like, if someone walked up to me and said they invented post-its, I would have looked at them like they were crazy. I didn't know. So I gotta, I mean, I gotta ask you, are you glad, are you glad that you finally saw it? Yeah, I, absolutely. I feel like I needed to. This is necessary viewing for Tucsonans. Yes. It, it was interesting watching this movie so close to watching Heathers for the first time for Movie Club. Mm. In that both kind of tread on the idea of, well, high school wasn't great. And I right. genuinely enjoyed high school. Like, I, I, I liked high school. I still have some of my closest friends in the world that I met in high school. I think I, I you might be, like, in a minority. Uh, it, it's a distinct possibility. Because, like, obviously these movies are extremely popular and... Everyone is like, oh, high school. But, like, I can't say high school was the best time of my life that's, like, the kind of quintessential, like, oh, gosh, high school. But so I don't think I emotionally connect to these movies the same way that a lot of people do simply because I, I don't have that that same feeling. Right. That's fair enough. I, you know, I myself and everybody that I know was miserable in high school. So I might just take it as a given. Which is not fair. That's fair. For people like yourself who actually did have a good time in high school. Were you also, like, part of an A group that also, like, put other kids down or was clicky or... I was a a theater kid who was playing Magic the Gathering and Werewolf in the band room. I was 100% a nerd. But I, I had lots of nerd friends. And, like, it was a big nerd, goofy community and, like, just enjoyed hanging out with each other. And it, it was great. And I had friends who were probably in the more popular circles. And it's not like I was getting invited to or going to any parties. But, like, even just among the theater kids, like, a lot of the theater kids were super popular. But we were all friends. And it was, it, it, it's like how I've never really connected to any of these high school clicky movies. Because there, while there were certainly friend groups, my high school never felt that clicky. Right, right. Yeah, my high school was definitely clicky. And, you know, I certainly had a friend group, and we all definitely were nerds. But we knew, I don't know, I guess, like, we knew our place on the uh, pecking order, you know? And there definitely was a pecking order status. And everyone was very status conscious. So I definitely related to that in the movie. And in Heathers, I guess, for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. And that's reasonable. I, I think that there's a bit more of a, a social leveling out now, but I'm, I'm sure there are still cliques and cool kids and not cool kids and everything now, just because kids will always be right. kids. But I don't know. Like I said, I lived this movie. My experience wasn't exactly the same, but like 
the crazy so the crazy thing about going back to Tucson for my 10-year high school reunion is that most of the people who attended the Tucson 10-year high school reunion were the people who were visiting from out of town. So the way it was set up it was actually over like Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. And and so most of the people who were locals didn't show up because that's also the weekend because Tucson's a big college town and that like uh, University of Arizona is in Tucson. And that's the weekend when University of Arizona plays Arizona State University. Tucson plays Phoenix and it's a big football game. So basically all the locals were at that game or watching that game and didn't show up to the reunion. Right, right. And so everybody who was there for the most part were the out of towners or just like the people who didn't care about sports. So I was... I remember meeting a lot of people who turned out to be PhDs and doctors who I wasn't expecting to be PhDs and doctors. Huh. Yeah, I guess similarly, like, you know, I think one thing that's also true that this movie brings out is when I went to my high school reunion, like the A-list kids tended to stay um, locally and tended to, like, lead, well... A lot of the A-list kids peaked in high school. Let's just put it that way. And all the interesting, or a lot of the interesting kids, managed to quote-unquote get away or escape, you know, from where we had all grown up. And uh, so there is a sense of satisfaction coming back that, like, people who could have been bullies or tormentors, you know, that was their, that was their peak. They peaked early and it was downhill from there. What's the German word? Schonenfreude. Thank you. Uh, so here's my question for you. Could you name, like, right now, can you name whoever was, like, the most popular person in your high school class? Yes. Really? Yeah. Interesting. You cannot. Because I'm thinking about it, and I don't think I can. Interesting. No. Very Interesting. I- yeah, it, it's that's just not my experience. And it's possible there was such a person. Like, there were certainly... I remember there were, like, the clicky cool kids. But I, do, I, like, I remember one of their names, maybe, and that's because I had a class with her my senior year. And it was a rock climbing class, and everyone was super chill in that classroom, and it was... Uh, not classroom, but, like, gym, and it was awesome and fun. I right. don't know. I... It's, I'm beginning to think that, like, what I thought was just, like, everyone's high school experience might have just been me and I got lucky. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But then again, you know, I, I mean, I'm not that close now with a lot of high school friends. Well, so this is, this actually brings up the other thing in terms of the remake. And I don't know if you want to get into it now. But, you know, our our high school reunions now even relevant now that we have social media that did not exist in 1997. Honestly, they may not be because there's certainly people from high school that we stay in touch with. And so, so I'm at exactly the age where when I went to college, I went to college and then was able to join Facebook. I previously had not been able to join Facebook because prior to that, you needed a college specific Mm -hmm. email address. And so that was my freshman year. And then over the course of my freshman, sophomore year, Facebook kind of got opened up to everybody and everybody got a Facebook and kind of like the beginnings of social media. Like, Did you have a MySpace or like a pre-Facebook uh, social media? 
most of my friends did. I did not because yeah. I didn't care about it. I still don't really care about social media, but like I do it anyway. Yeah, I didn't have MySpace either or Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. Like the people that I am in touch with from high school I want to be in touch with. And we yeah, we basically keep in touch through social media. Yep. So that so I don't know if the, if this is jumping too far ahead already, but like, you know, when you had when you had asked me no, go for it. should this movie should it be remade like it definitely is of a specific time and place which I kind of love because it is just so 90s, as you pointed out uh, in your text to me, the flip phone, which is kind of hysterical, like the size of a brick. (laughs) Yeah, because like this is like there's no way that this movie could exist today because of social media. So I think if it were to be changed or updated, there'd have to be a social media element where Romy and Michelle create their new lives but they're doing it through social media so like they have to create like a fabulous instagram account or like you know create that they're going on these wild adventures or hooking up with the hottest guys or you know that they're these hot influencers and like i that's i think the only way you could do it like you it's just so hard so much harder these days to it's also harder to fake anything because of social media. Like, does that make sense? I, I mean, the other argument is that it's much easier to fake things on social media. Like, you can create a social media account that says anything. Right. The real trick will be, like, figuring out how to get a blue check mark. Right, right. And, like, you can come up with any any number of different things or whatever. Like, and you don't even need to like i'm sure there are different ways that you can fake something over social media especially if you're particularly adept at it like i i think absolutely everything in this movie is still doable but i think you need to kind of update the language a little bit like there's anyone who like anyone who's like everyone always talks about how like we only really get to see the way people are trying to be perceived over social media and we're not actually getting to know who they are in actuality. And I think that can kind of be our theme for our remake in that even when they're like, all of these kids had social media in high school and they had the things that they were trying to be seen as when they were in high school. Let's say they continue that for 10 years and they still have this perception that they want people to see them as that's separate from who they actually are. Like for me, I was playing magic, the gathering in the band room in high school but what if I only wanted to be seen as, like, the theater kid? Right. Then I would have only had theater kid stuff on my social media. But I was still doing all this other nerd stuff anyway. Like, it's all kind of about, I think, I, I, what I think our theme is going to end up being, who you want to be seen as versus who you actually are, and then finding a way to marry those two things together and being comfortable with those two things being the same. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think you're right. And I think that, um, that, like you said, there's still so much deception in social media. Like, that that hasn't really been mm-hmm. explored a lot. And, like, what better place for it to blow up in your face than a high-stakes high school reunion? Yeah. I mean, especially if they've been kind of crafting this lie for ten years, and it just, like, all comes tumbling down. But it all comes tumbling down for everybody. Yeah. Like, because I also want to talk about the resolution of 
this guy <laughs> this guy Michelle was mean to in high school comes back still is still in love with her takes her and her friend away in a helicopter and then just gives her a bunch of money yeah so like they win but through no no real f- action of their own it's just they're lucky that this guy was still in love with one of them who happened to be rich yes yeah what i think is a more interesting story is the story of heather mooney heather mooney heather mooney is my spirit animal i love heather (laughs) mooney i mean she's great she's my favorite part of this movie yeah agreed and yeah because she has an arc she learns a lesson and she changes over the course of the movie as opposed to Romeo and michelle who kind of they get money but remain the same well they get their friendship back and they realize that that's more important they get their friendship right but that's at the start of the movie that's who they were anyway they return to the stasis that they were at at the start of the movie what I would say changed is a further comfort with that stasis, although now, of course, they have money in their own yeah. store. As opposed to Heather Mooney, who, successful career person, uh, had developed all these things, but probably wasn't necessarily happy with herself and still looked back on everything kind of with this, this jaded yes. perspective. Yeah, and then kind of was, over the course of this movie, was able to let that bitterness go and was able to find joy and kind of recognize that she wasn't alone in this experience, that it was, in fact, a shared experience that she had with all these other people. Yeah. I still think, though, that she's going to continue being, like, a bitter, sarcastic person, though, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't think it changes fundamentally who she is as a person, but I think it will change her outlook and perhaps be less bitter. Like, she'll still be a sarcastic Janine Garofalo type, but I think she'll be less... uh, I, I think it'll be less I'm alone and more, yeah, everything sucks for everybody, right? Instead of just sucking for just me. Yeah, I mean, yes, maybe more empathetic. Yes. Yeah, I can see that. What are some aspects of Romeo and Michelle that you think are important? Like, what are the important things that you think need to be kept? Oh, wow. Uh, definitely the friendship between the two of them. You know, that's, I, I really think that... That Lisa Kudrow and Mira Sorvino knocked this out of the park with their performances. I really believed when I watched this that there was a history between them. There was a chemistry belief between them. I believe that they were best friends. Um, and I don't know if you want to talk about this, Sam. Like, my high school and my class, I know who the Romy and Michelle was. I'm not going to say names, but oh, my class really? had. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, like the two goofy friends who sort of like were in their own world and like, you know, just like, like marched to the beat of their own drummer who people thought were kind of weird, but they were, you know, outgoing and they didn't give two flying fucks what anyone else thought. Um, Well, they did, but they, I don't know, they still marched to their own drummer. Yeah. And like, I sort of, you know, it. Yeah. Warmed my heart to recognize those people, those women in my class, like with Romy and Michelle. So definitely the relationship uh, between the two of them, I think, has to be kept. In terms of other elements, I think Heather Mooney has to be kept. You know, casting wise, I really, I agree. I really, oh yeah, I don't necessarily want to cut any characters. 
like I, I agree. I think all the characters and like the, the like the arcs that the individual characters go through, I think is still good and valid and important, with the possible exception of Sandy Frank. Right. Right. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I, I honestly don't know. So I guess, like, are you thinking in terms of plot, like, what could go? Yeah, like, what are some elements of the story? Like, because obviously it's a tale about friendship, and I think that's necessary. I think it needs to be, I think it needs to be about pretending to be something you're not when you go back to meet these people from when you were a kid. I think all that's important because that's what the movie is. Right. I'm kind of thinking in terms of, like, do you want our Romeo and Michelle to be costume designers? Because like, even from the beginning of the movie, we know that that's how it's going to end up of them getting this, this costume designer gig and like designing their own line of clothing. That's still something that they could do, but I'm open to them doing other things. Do you want everyone to be an inventor? Like what, what are these things that 28 year olds can do to consider, consider themselves successful? Because Again, they're well, you know, they're 28 year olds, but they're not very bright. So I, you know, I, I might be out of the age demographic. I hate to say, like, I don't know. Well, that said, like, I don't know (laughs) what not too bright 28 year olds do today. I also, you know, I also don't know if back in 1997, it was realistic for not too bright 28 year olds to have an amazing brick loft on Venice Beach. Like, I don't know if there was license taken with that yeah their their apartment was gorgeous oh yeah and amazing and that's a million dollar apartment right Right. yeah i wanted to make sure i wasn't like well maybe in 1997 things weren't that expensive but they must have been it's right on the beach and a great part of venice yeah yes there's no way it wasn't yeah so it makes you wonder like one of them's unemployed and one of them's a cashier at a car shop you know, what else, what else are they doing to get that, that swanky pad? I mean, the thing that a lot of people respect, uh, the thing that a lot of young people do now that gets, like, a lot of respect are being various kinds of influencers. But there's different kinds of influencers. Like, there's just kind of, like, the social media Instagram model. But there's also, like, I was watching a video on YouTube the other day. It was someone breaking down the Avatar The Last Airbender movie. And it was this deep, insightful conversation as to why it failed and everything else that was going on. And then he made a crack about how his life was coming to an end soon because he was about to turn 25. Oh, God. And I died a little inside. Yeah. What the shit? You know, I, I can picture them being influencers still in the world of maybe makeup or... I feel like it's it's something... You know, when I think of 28-year-old influencers, especially women, there is a, a big market for um, looks, like for for apparel, for fashion, for makeup, for what have you. And I can see them doing well or even pretending to do well in that space. There was, uh, there was someone I went to college with who after college, I think made money for a time on Instagram being like an Instagram model influencer. And what she was doing is, is whenever she did a post, it was some sort of makeup art on her face. That was, not necessarily just like, hey, here's a cool makeup tutorial. No, it was like she painted like a Van Gogh on her face or something and like took a picture of that. Mm. And like those were all the different things she posted. Like I wish I knew – I'm sure I could Google her name and find it. But like that was her thing that she did for a while post-college. Right, right. 
But there's, like, a lot of different ways of, like, reaching out and reaching a large number of people and being very insightful. Like, even podcasting, for example, like, I could lie and say I've got all these different people and listeners and followers. And uh, uh, since I'm not answering to advertisers, people can believe me. I don't. But, like, overall, like, no one else sees – like, even for Netflix, no one sees the numbers. They can say whatever they want. Right. And I think that that's – true for people on the internet it's so much easier to lie yeah that's true that's true i mean think about the world of online i was going to say just think about the world of online dating and uh how many men claim to be you know six two or yeah totally totally get that spoken as someone who actually is six two i've spoken however tall you actually are i actually am six two yes Yes, I keep my yeah, I keep so, my dating I mean, profile accurate, mostly. <laughs> mostly. Mostly. Good. Good. Funny. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, awesome. But yeah, so that's kind of what I'm thinking in terms of the lie. And now I think it'd be fun, kind of coming up with appropriate. So, like, do we then also want them to be making their own? clothing or do we want them to be making their own internet content in some way i mean it's hard to argue with kind of like the iconic looks of the movie but yeah and it also is like for in terms of a film medium clothing is definitely visual and i don't know i mean i can see going either way i can see you know content i can see it being done it would just be harder to reveal you know what might be fun what we could do is because it's clothing, especially as perceived over the internet, we could have the uh, the Christy Masters character also being like a designer, like Instagram posting pictures of like cool designs and clothing and everything. But and they look great in the picture, but then Romy and Michelle or uh, are making things that they actually then wear out and about, and they don't they're not they're not good photographers, so they don't necessarily look great in the picture. But their clothing is actual clothing that's real and, and works. As opposed to Christy Masters, as soon as she, like, leaves frame, it just completely falls apart. Right, right. I don't know how that would work, though, but, like, something along those lines? Yeah, I can see something along those lines working out. You know, or maybe, like, they're... I mean, that could also play into... You know, they're not very bright. Maybe they just aren't very business savvy. They're trying to create this online presence... And it's just not working out for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's something that Sandy Frank can help them with. Yeah, because we all know some high school nerd is going to be the king of social media. I mean... Yeah, exactly. Who knows? They they see the paradigm. They see the shifts. They see the technology. Right, right. So what would... what? Because Heather Mooney is your spirit animal, what is Heather Mooney's success? Like... I feel like inventing a faster-burning cig- pa- cigarette paper doesn't really carry to now. What mm. would she have done now? That's completely, I would say, separate from the internet. Oh, God. Um, separate from the internet. Yeah. I mean, we could have everybody's success be connected to the internet. Or she could be the one person who's not... Up, up to you. Like, what do you think? Well, because initially I was thinking, like, if we are going with the internet thing, like... She created a way to, like, 
I don't know, like illegally download, you know, videos or something or, you know, or, uh, or she created like OnlyFans. <laughs> she created yeah. OnlyFans? Like the, the concept, That's funny. you know, something, something, um, or actually it would actually be funnier if Sandy Frink created OnlyFans. I like the idea and I... I, I like the idea of that. I feel like OnlyFans, while I think OnlyFans will continue, I feel like that's something a lot of people are talking about now and might not necessarily be evergreen. And especially especially the idea of a guy creating a web... I mean, I don't know who created OnlyFans now, but the idea of a, a dude creating something as a... I don't... I don't know. Like, I, I it's a good idea... And it makes me uncomfortable, which might be something, which might be why it's a good idea. Or, you know, just maybe something in the world of, like, porn sharing. And I don't know why I'm sticking on porn, but I feel like, because porn is, like, always a moneymaker and is going to be evergreen. It is. I feel like a really smart kid would have thought of how to uh, take advantage of that. I mean, a lot of the smart internet internet kids now are the ones who are figuring out how to do, like, stock investments and Bitcoin and all that. Right. But is that going to be evergreen? I don't know. They certainly right. think so. Actually, that brings me to my next question. When do you want to set this movie? Because this movie kind of is 1997 and is very, very much 1997. Do you want our movie to take place in 2021 or do you want the movie to take place in 2015? I think it has to take, if, if it is going to be remade at all, I think it has to be current. Because I think that's sort of the only justification to redo it. Like, and, and again, I know, I know I liked the movie a lot more than you, than you do. So it does have like more of a sentimental value to me, I guess. But I agree with that. Like if, if, if I were not to roll my eyes at a remake, I better, you know, they better damn make it relevant to today. Well, what are the things that are the most relevant today? I mean, acknowledging the pandemic aside, uh, what are the things that, what is the content that you absorb more than anything else? You know, I I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm just going to speak off the top of my head. One of the things, one of the things that's different from 1997, you know, so in 1997, you know, I was like barely out of college. But in order to meet people, be social, you had to go out. There was no, it wasn't until maybe, I don't know, like a year or two later that social media really took off. I mean, my, I, I do remember friends having MySpace, which I was never a part of. So I'm thinking like, I guess I, I think I'm thinking like back in 1997, at least for me, there was more of a sense of interconnectedness. Like you had to make an effort to see people in a way that you don't now. And not just because of the pandemic now, but because of social media. Like you can go months without seeing your friends and that's normal. And you can have like online relationships and that's normal. And that just wasn't normal in 1997. And I feel like now there's a sense of isolation that there wasn't in 1997. I think people are lonelier now than they were in 1997. Like I, you know, like Romy and Michelle, I loved getting dressed up on the weekends and going out to clubs. 
I don't feel like there's um, a sense of need or desire to meet people in big social settings like there was back then. And uh, yeah, I just feel like like they're like a uh, like in some ways a sense of community's been eroded. I tend to agree with that, and I think especially with Facebook and Instagram and everything, in that like the characters that we have would only be a couple of years younger than me, but there are pe- there's certainly plenty of people who I only see the pictures they post, and everything they post on the internet is at a certain angle or whatever. And so then if I went and saw them in real life, all of a sudden they look different than the version of them that I have in my head. And I, I think that's kind of the, the line that we need to cross of, like, even though we're connected with all these people, until you actually meet up with them and share time with them and a, a drink with them and a meal with them in real life, you don't really know who they are, which is kind of back to my original point. Yeah. Because, like, we can go in and we can see the pictures of all the Christie Masters or whomever, and we can have 10 years worth of social media posts, but then you see her in real life and you realize that she's nothing like any of that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's more interesting of, I mean, I know that it's, I know that it's not an original idea to be said, but, like, and I know that some people very easily and, and absolutely make lifelong friendships over the internet. But at the end of the day, we're, we're social creatures. And one of the things that the pandemic's gotten in the way of is being social and going and meeting and seeing other human beings. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the things that this needs to be in, like, the whole getting out and experiencing stuff. Like, oh, well, we took all these pictures at these different places and we made it look really good, but we never actually played mini golf. We never actually jumped in this lake. We just took the picture in front of it. It's like <laughs> so. There's this place in Los Angeles. So there's a place in Los Angeles called Running Canyon where people go and hike and they take pictures. And it's a very social media area. And if you hike Runyon Canyon, you can get to the top and take this amazing picture at the top of Runyon Canyon. What they don't really tell you is that it's also right near a road. And you can park near the top of Runyon mm-hmm. Canyon, get out of your car, walk over, take a picture, get back in your car and leave. Yeah. And people do that. Like, I, like I've seen people do that. Other people have seen people do that. It's a thing. Wow. And it's just more having the experience as opposed to sharing the experience. Right. And I feel like that would be our our dumb old person writing this movie message. Oh, I don't think that's dumb. No, I don't think so either. But it's like our perspective on the way young people are living their lives. Right. You know, I actually, I just started an Instagram account and I've been putting it off, putting it off, putting it off because it seems like it's a fucking full-time job to curate this perfect life and put it out there. And like, who has the time for that? Yeah, I only started an Instagram account because I wanted to promote this exact podcast. So... I, I can't really judge. Yeah, no, I get it. And, you know, as some, you know, I, I have a side gig doing stand-up comedy. And people are like, oh, let me go to your Insta. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I need to get my Insta. I need to get my Insta up. And uh, and it is just like, yeah, man, like, like there's a, there must be a lot of people with time on their hands. 
for a lot of people and like Instagram is expanding and they're having like the short form media and there's a lot of people who don't post pictures and they only post stories, which I find super interesting. Like you go to their actual page and there's nothing, but they'll have different stories and things all day. And they're having these experiences and living this, this life publicly and they're sharing it with everybody. And if that's what they enjoy doing, that's great. I don't want to yuck anyone else's yum. Yeah. It's just not for me. Seems like a lot of effort. And and also like like you like we've been talking about like how much of it is actually real because it does seem the only word I can come up with is curated like you're you're actually you're putting out there what you want people to see and mm-hmm. it has to be perfect or as close to perfection as you can yeah. get and that's not real life so there's those people but then there's the people who are like the Twitch streamers who there's no editing they're just doing the thing in front of people. And if it's a thing that people enjoy, they, they watch it. And I think that it, it's very much like content you control. You're your own boss and you're you're doing this. And it's a tough market. But if you're able to provide content that people want, great. Go for it by all means. Right. Right. I feel like – like, and, and that's something that where you can't really edit it after the fact because you are literally living this experience on – TV with other people like you're Truman showing yourself right and I, I find that also super interesting I have friends who do that oh okay I have you yeah my curiosity speaks and so I feel like that if anything is it that's I mean again I'm trying not to be judgmental of anyone who does anything but like at the end of the day like that is going to end up being just as, if not more authentic than anything else anywhere else on the internet, because it is something live happening in that moment. Right. And I, it's like <laughs> everyone else is living this experience with, with the person. I feel like that's super interesting. Like, because I feel like that is meeting in the middle of everything we're talking about. If getting to do an experience and have all of this life stuff happening online. Yeah. But also mm. being online. Yeah, I guess it is community building in some way, even if it's remote. Yeah. I mean, it it's absolutely community building. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know people who do, like, I know that you were for a while looking into doing, like, uh, tarot card readings. Like, I know people who will do tarot card readings and things over, over Twitch, and it's very popular. Yeah, I have a few friends who do that. Yeah. For better or for worse, it really is the way of the future. Very much so. I don't know. So <laughs> with our discussion about social medias and the different forms it takes in mind, what pieces do we want to take for our heroes? Where, like, Especially if we take Romeo and Michelle, <laughs> Romeo and Michelle, but online, what part of the online experience do we want Romeo and Michelle to be experiencing in? And do we want them having the same channel or do we want them having different? Because it kind of makes sense that they would go into business together because they're so close. Yeah, I think it would have to be the same. Thinking ahead, I, I also think we need to give some prominence to the uh, to the Lisa Ludner character who sort of becomes a good guy at the end. Um, because I think she is, like, going to be the ultra-ultra-successful version of whatever Romeo and Michelle are, and then is able to, like, give them her blessing. Um, yeah, I thought her character was interesting. Yeah. What was her character name? Was she, uh, Lisa. Was she Cheryl Quick? 
I think she was Lisa. It, that was Lisa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Some other blonde. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yes, I agree with that because I thought that she was one of those people who kind of like the main character in Heather's was someone who like kind of was this alternative person, but was kind of confined by the needs of popularity in high school. Yes. I thought she was super interesting, and then she kind of like stuck with it and was like, well, this is kind of the person I need to be, the people I need to hang out with. But as soon as she's like adult and away from all that, she's like, oh, I don't need to stay in touch with any of these people. I can go off and do my own thing. Right, right. I think she also had a good message and a good arc, and good for her. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. A good aspirational character who's like, I don't, like, even if I'm back in high school, I don't need to, yeah, I, as an adult, I don't need to go kind of slot back into the the person that everyone perceives me as because fuck that i'm gonna go i'm this is the person who i am i'm gonna continue to be this person because this person's rad as hell and i also like that she got to stick it to the a group at the end very satisfying i mean wasn't she a part of the a group in high school school, yeah but she was able to stick it to the rest of the a group right that felt more like uh catharsis for everyone else and less like catharsis for her it's more because it was more like her turning on her friends yeah and because theoretically she liked her friends when she was in high school, but it's also possible that she didn't. Like, there's the whole Heather's line where I don't really like my friends very much. I don't really like your friends either. Yeah, yeah. I don't think she ever really liked them. But, you know, that's I'm, I'm sure that for the sake of popularity, kids do crazy shit, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I also think that sometimes, like... This, these are the people you hang out with because they're the people you hang out with. Not because you like them in any way, but because it, going and finding new people to hang out with is really hard. Yeah, That's one of the hardest things about being an adult, especially an adult, an adult in a new city. Like the first, when I moved to LA, I didn't really know anybody. And finding new friends was, it, it took a while and it was difficult. Yeah, finding new friends as an adult is tough. Like there's a lot of people who take classes partly to take the class but mostly just so they can meet the people in the classroom and because that's just the only way they've ever known how to make meet friends yeah no agreed social and and no judgment it works yes or you know like Romy and michelle you can go to aa yes i mean the hollywood deals happen at alcoholics anonymous that or what's the other joke uh scientology i mean yeah but that's a yeah (laughs) You, you go to an AA <laughs> I, meeting, but I mean, not you, Church of Scientology. That, that's where we are in this world. Uh, <laughs> I mean, look, you you will you you want to join any cult you want, you will make connections, <laughs> but those connections will stay within the cult if it's Scientology. Whereas at Alcoholics Anonymous, theoretically, it doesn't have to just make deals with other Alcoholics Anonymous people. That's true. Oh my god. But but. But yeah, like stuff like that. And I I feel like that's another message. Like, because they talk about how, I mean, because we can even talk about that in that they didn't really make any other friends in high school because they found each other. And like, they, they all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, this amazing friend. And yeah. they can talk about how they don't really have, like, they didn't really make friends in high school and they didn't really make friends that much in in Los Angeles just because like they know people that they're friendly with, but they're like, this is the one, this is in whatever way you choose to shoot, uh, use this phrase. This is their life partner. They found their person romantic or not. This is the person they want to, this is the person they want to hang out with. One of my sad. So you, you made me think of two things. 
if there was so if there was a section that I would consider cutting considerably, it would be the midsection dream sequence, which does kind of tend to go on and on and on. But there's this one line at the end of the sequence, which I love, which is when they're old ladies in amazing makeup and prosthetics. And an old Sandy <laughs> Frank asks Michelle, honey, have you been paraphrasing? Honey, have you been unhappy with me? And she says, no, you've been wonderful. I've just been so lonely with no one to talk to. And I love that line because they're not mutually exclusive. Like she can have this amazing marriage with Sandy and this amazing life together, but still feel like there's a part of her that's missing or a part of her, uh, a friend part of her that's just as important. Yeah. Because, you know, you also like, don't you have those friends who like the minute they're in a relationship, you never hear from them again. And the minute the relationship ends, <laughs> they're suddenly on your doorstep, and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yes. Yes, we all do. And they get yeah, really annoying. We all do. Yes. So I just, and, love, and, I just love that line and that acknowledgement, like, that you can have a relationship and still need that um, friendship level that's just not fulfilled in a relationship. Yeah, I think so. I think that different relationships fulfill different mental and social needs and yeah absolutely and basically with the exception of romance they filled all of the social needs of each for each other and i think that's kind of wonderful yes yes true in terms of like actually crafting this movie we haven't we've talked about a lot of things what do you want for romeo and michelle what do you want them to be doing God, you know, I still don't know. Like, maybe they're, I don't know how long this fat, you know, quote-unquote fat is going to go, but TikTok is a big thing. Maybe they're trying to do their their fashion or makeup on TikTok, or I, I feel like they're trying to be trendsetters in some way. The Lisa character, ha, you know, somehow does what they want. You know, maybe, I don't know, maybe they are all on social media. Because maybe Chrissy, who's like the bitchy A girl who um, they lie about. And they also have to be doing something in their social media that they're lying about that they get caught on. And I know that's a pretty wide berth. But I I guess I, I feel like I'd have to stew on that for a little bit. Like, what's something that they can try to be good at? Something that, that's a facade and that's something that gets revealed at the reunion. And I don't know off the top of my head what that is. I agree. I think that Romeo and Michelle should both like still follow and like and comment on all of like Christy Masters' posts. Mm. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's been 10 years. We actually get to see her in real life again. Uh, and then like when they do, it's they're talking about all these different things she's posted over the years that she doesn't remember anymore. But they're like, they were like they kind of transitioned from being pseudo friends like high school. Well, we kind of know each other to being fans of hers. And then they realized that they weren't, she's not the person that they thought she was. She never was that person. And I feel like a big emotional arc for them will be to unfollow her and kind of start following the people who were following them. So do you think that Chrissy should still be really mean to them in high school though? Because she was really awful to them. 
I mean, I don't think they need to be like the quote unquote fat girl because she wasn't fat in the movie and the girl with the back brace. I don't think you need physical impediments in order to be unpopular. Believe me, I needed yeah. no physical impediments to mm-hmm. be unpopular. Oh, yeah, same here. Uh, <laughs> but I feel like it can just be like, they just they they just didn't have it. They just like they they like they knew each other, but there was they were just kind of like awkward and uncomfortable people because all they could talk about was each other. They would either be talking with each other or about each other, and eventually that just becomes tiring for everyone else. Yeah, and also and they there. I also feel like at least with the with the few high schoolers I know today, there still is a um, pressure to conform. So, yes, you know, like, like in high school, like they were like kind of the only kids who liked Madonna and everyone thought that they were crazy or like they were the only like, (laughs) you know, maybe they're into fashion or something like, but the looks that they're putting out there are just so not the norm that they're made fun of. Yeah. Uh, Well, another thing that we could do in terms of like the Christy Masters relationship is their claim to fame or the thing that they think is still really cool is that Christy Masters with 2 million followers and a blue check mark follows them back because she's followed them back since high school. However, what they'll find out over the course of the movie... So there's a difference between being uh, muted and being blocked. If you're being blocked, basically you can't see anything the person posts, you can't interact with them, you are a ghost to them. But if you're muted, you still think you're interacting with everything the person is doing... And the person can still be following you, but they won't see any of it. And I think something that we can discover over the course of the movie is that Christy Masters didn't block them because that would mean that she would have lost followers, but she Mm. muted them. So they still think they're interacting with her, but she hasn't seen something that they've done for years. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. And that, that will feel like a betrayal because they're like, well, we thought we were friends. And no, we were never friends. We were high school colleagues. Right, right. But then, and it'll turn out that that's kind of something that Christy Masters does with everyone who follows her. Like, anyone who follows her, she mutes them. So she's muted two million people, and she really only follows herself. And all that she sees on her uh, Instagram and timeline are just her own posts over and over and over again. Okay, that's interesting. I like that. Because the only uh, social media perception she cares about is how people are perceiving her. Right. Nothing else matters. Right. Which, on the one hand, is dark and not at all healthy. But on the other hand, it's like, okay, you no one needs to care about anyone else's life, so I kind of get it. But also, wow. And so, like that—that's her. Like that's her weird dark thing. Because it's like, oh, look at them. They they left high school and then got pregnant. That's not. No. But someone who went and became, like, kind of internet famous, but doesn't actually, like, interact or appreciate the people who made them internet famous, I feel like that's now the new cardinal sin. Right. Like, shaming for uh, not being one of the people, not being, like, part of the group that you're allegedly supporting. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. So that's what I think their their that's what I think their relationship with Christy Masters can be, who whether she has her two other friends or not I don't really care I didn't recast them, 
Um, but then in terms of Romeo and Michelle, like, they, they, their claim to fame can be that they're followed by this famous person. And if they're going to live in L.A., I mean, they can be... they. Can, what would be funny would be if they have hopped from every single internet fad to the next one. They tried to be Vine stars, but by the time Vine ended, they they moved on to the next one, and then the next one. They have every single social media account, but ne- they, they never stick with anyone long enough for it to hit. So, like, even now, they're just getting into TikTok, but, oh, no, they just heard about this one, so now all of a sudden they're going to be... They're asking all of their followers to follow them to this next thing. And there could be a couple people who will have followed them from platform to platform to platform, like Sandy Frank, let's say, but overall, mm-hmm. basically because they're not comfortable with who they are or what they're doing, they're not sticking around and doing an individual thing long enough to actually develop a following in that thing. Because they're always trying to capture the the the, the fame of whatever the, the new next thing best is. thing is. So yeah, they're absolutely yeah. So they're absolutely on TikTok, but they're already looking to see what the next big thing is. Like they they subscribe to Quibi immediately, right? But you know, Quibi died. Like that right, sort of thing. Right. That's my pitch for what they are. Is at, like they and they haven't even figured out what their voice is yet. And I feel like this will be a movie where they figure out that that voice is not necessarily the the person that they're putting forward of. I want to be popular, but this other thing that they've been doing, which can very easily still be clothing design. Right, and what maybe part of that is maybe jumping off of your idea. They're always following the next next best thing trend-wise as well, so they see what's hot, and then they try to do the same thing. But mm-hmm. it's never as good as whoever did it first. Because I feel like... Yeah, they're not... Like, you know... They're not They're not innovating, right. they're following. Right. Cool. Yes, I think that that's what I think their arc should be. And so then, in terms of our Heather Mooney and our Sandy Frank, I don't... I think if we want them to be somehow involved in social media, if that's kind of the arc we're, we're doing for our movie, I think, I think you're right. Sandy Frank, I don't want him to be like the creator of OnlyFans, ah. but I, but I, I think like having him be the next TikTok or someone who's like figured out a way to do something super minimal of like, yeah, I take uh iPhone apps and I, because even in this movie, he invented a rubber for shoes. Right. It's not that impressive. He just made a lot of money. Like, he's the person who, like, figured out the algorithm to, to, like, actually track some part of social media. Or, like, he's the one that converts iPhone apps to Android apps. Right, yeah. He's involved. It's a necessary piece, but it's not the end-all be-all. Right, right, right. And then for Heather Mooney, I feel like Heather Mooney can invent a service that lets allows people to scrub their presence from the internet. Huh. Uh-huh. Like she can call her service uh blackout or something and it just like it will take their entire social media presence away which is something that I bet a lot of people would like to have cuz there are a lot of people who just don't want to be online. And I think that that's a service people would want. Right. 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 It also fits kind of the goth aesthetic. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think we want to keep her goth, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I don't know. What do you think about those two ideas? I like him, actually. And, you know, I, I apologize in advance. I didn't really think think that 
through beforehand. Neither um, did I. I've discovered them here with... On the fly. I love it. Yeah. And then in terms of, like, Billy Christensen, yeah, his best days were in high school. He still just talks about the things that happened in high school and just remembers high school. But, a, but of course... A job that he doesn't love. Him and Christy have, like, this amazing online presence where they're totally happy and in love and, like, walking over waterfalls. And then when you see them in person, they can't stand each other. Yeah. So do you, are you aware of the that Instagram couple who kept posting the pictures of them holding hands and she was walking in front of him and he was taking a picture of, like, her back as she was leading him somewhere? No. And they were... They were doing that in all these different, different like, really scenic places, but it was basically, like, the same picture, like, her looking super put together, but you're really only seeing her from behind as they're holding hands and she's leading him to wherever the cool, like, the Taj Mahal or whatever. No. I, I think if you saw one of these—I feel like I'm describing it poorly, but I feel like if you saw one of these pictures, you'd be like, oh, yeah, one of these. But basically, gotcha. like, their entire relationship was her on camera— and him being the one taking the picture. And I feel like Love that it. could be the relationship for Christy Masterson and Billy Christensen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which I'm just now picking up on Christy and Christensen. Yes. Just like the, the whitest. Christy Christensen. Ew. Yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty, that's pretty Jesus-y. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> I mean, don't you have people like that in your high school, though, who, like, married right out of high school and are miserable? I I might. I Like I said, I don't remember. And they're not, they're certainly not people I talk to now, really. The the number of people I remember from high school is fairly limited. There's something nice about being able to control who comes in and out of your life as an adult. Yeah, this is true. But okay, so I think we kind of have our characters and our arcs and what we want them to learn and grow with. So one of the things I think I'm going to be trying with this season of ideal remake is I'm going to be putting in ads from other people's podcasts right before we get to the casting. So if I'm, if I did this correctly, there should be an ad right now. Hi, I'm Tanner. And I'm Lindsay. And together we host a podcast called Not If I Reboot You First. It's a show where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood gets the chance to. We also do adaptations and spinoffs and sequels, but everybody seems to call those reboots too. It's everyone's favorite buzzword. Sometimes we make something really good, like when we turn the mummy into a proper pilot for the Dark Universe. Sometimes things go bad and I drunkenly yell at JK Rowling for an hour. And sometimes it gets really weird and we time crash the entire Mighty Ducks franchise into a single universe. So join us every week for something that's a little bit like brainstorming fan fiction. Follow us on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for the name of the show and it's pronounced I turned Princess Belle into Iron Man once. Wait, what? Alright, so I feel like we need to start with our Romy and our Michelle. And because it's a two-hander, I didn't necessarily cast two people who necessarily know each other, but I feel like we should present all of them, all four, and then from the four we pick our two favorites. Ooh, okay. Uh, so I'm happy to start with someone, and then, I, like, the person I had is my Romy, and then you can start with your Romy, and then we'll I'll do my Michelle, you'll do your Michelle, and we'll kind of talk about the four that we've got. Seem fair? Yeah, and I and can I can I preface something though? I think I think one of the challenges for me 
in casting this is um god i think you know i think um when it was shot mira was 30 and lisa kudra was in her 30s it's just as you know it's just so much harder to cast 20 somethings as opposed to even early 30 somethings because a lot of 20 somethings don't have a career record like you just don't know where they're going yet um so it is i just i just want to say like it's harder for me to cast um what could be age appropriate just because a lot of the younger actresses um yeah i feel like we have a little bit of a a a flex really in either direction but like as long as they kind of like fit the tone and everything i feel like the person who is the oldest is the woman i casted for my toby walters um but overall i kind of tried really hard to hit the age range Mm -hmm. but if if we're around the age range i think it's fine as long as you didn't cast someone who's like 35 because gosh that would be terrible i don't know we'll figure it out if it if they're still right for the role i'm sure it's fine it this is this is a movie about friendship and people can be friends at any age true yes and so I, I, I think that I, I don't think we need to be as strict with age in this one. But let's let's see who we had. So for my Romy, I went with someone who kind of first came to prominence in a movie called Fighting with My Family. Although most people now know her from uh, her role in Little Women, it's Florence Pugh. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can see that. I thought that she'd make for a fun Romy. It's a it's a little bit of a different kind of character than she's played before, but I think she would do it very well. Gotcha. Okay. Love it. Who did you have for your Romy? So I had my Romy and Michelle sort of um, sort of as, as either or, but the more you're forcing me to think about it. I mean, uh, either or is fine. I had as a possible Romy, uh, and maybe as a way to bring a little more diversity to the cast, uh, Tessa Thompson. Yep, that doesn't surprise me that's great casting uh i thought that she really surprisingly showed off her comedic chops uh as valkyrie which i wasn't expecting uh and i think she could play dumb really smart (laughs) what a great way to word that well you know mir sorvino did go to harvard and uh lisa kudrow went to my alma mater vassar so you do have these two really smart women like playing dumb and uh yeah they nail it yeah, they do. They do a great job. Uh, cool. Good choice. Um, so the person I had is my Michelle, but again, I also kind of see them as interchangeable. It's just the style of this particular kind of person that they're playing. I'm going to I'm gonna butcher this name. Uh, this actress is named uh, Francia Reza, uh, F-R-A-N-C-I-A, and then Reza is R-A-I-S-A. She is also, I think, early late 20s early 30s i don't specifically remember um she is currently on grownish uh she first broke she was on secret life the american teenager mm-hmm. she is because she's on grownish she's able to do like the comedy and stuff but then she also kind of has the the history and the background of doing like kind of the teenage drama and that's that secret life of the american teenager i mean she's She's always she, she she has yet to be kind of the star, and that's kind of why I put her. Oh, I guess I should have put her as my Romy in that case. Doesn't matter, but like she's been in a variety of different things. She was in Blackish for a little bit. She's in Shut Eye, and she she's never been like the lead, but she's always there as someone who is also there and good. 
And so mm-hmm. I thought that she would make for a fun uh, one of our two ladies. And I also, she also, for anyone who's not looking her up, uh, she is uh, Mexican and Honduran, uh, born and raised in Los Angeles. And for a movie that supposedly takes place in Tucson, Arizona, sure were a lot of white people. And I went to a fairly mm-hmm. white high school, but like, it's Arizona. Right. Right. Love it. So, uh, who did you have as your other person? God, I, I got to narrow it down to two, huh? Or narrow it down to one. Can I give two names or no? I mean, you can. We'll see what happens. Ugh. Give, give the two names. I think that they would, I think, I think they're both good and they would both do it a little differently, but they're both of similar type. So, okay. and I guess it also, so if we had a big budget, um, I would say Margot Robbie. Okay. Or Robbie, sorry. And if we had a smaller budget, I would say uh, Lily Reinhardt. So Margo, like everyone knows her, who she is, and I'm um, impressed with her comedy chops. Also, I think she would play it. You know, she might actually be a better Romy than Michelle. Now that I think about it, um, but I for think Lily. Who don't, yeah, for people who don't know who Lily Reinhardt is, tell us about her. Sure. So she first came uh, on my radar when I saw her in Hustlers. Oh my God, the J J Lo vehicle. Uh, And she sort of had, like, the stereotypical comedic relief dumb blonde role in it. And she did it really well. But she also brought a depth and a vulnerability, which I think Michelle also needs to have. And she's, like, gorgeous. And she, I don't know, I could just see her. I feel like her star is also rising a lot uh, now. And she could just really pull it off. Yeah, what, what most other people will know her from is she is Betty in Riverdale. Oh, yeah, duh. Right. <laughs> so of the five people that we've put forward, I would say let's pair Lily Reinhardt with uh, Francia Reza. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think that's fun. Who would you make Romy? Who would you make Michelle? I think, uh, I think Lily would have to be Michelle. Okay. I just feel like, um, Fra- sorry, Frances- Francesca, right? Fr- uh, Francia, I don't know how to pronounce it. I feel like... Um, when I when I when I see what she's done, you know, obviously none, neither of these women are like the brightest bulbs, whatever. But I feel like um, of the two, Romy is the little is the one who's a little more self aware, and I feel like she'd be able to carry that off better. Yeah, I think she's also the one who has a little bit more agency as opposed to just happily going along with everything. Yes, agreed. But cool. So Lily Reinhardt and Francia Reza. I think that is our Romeo and Michelle. Excellent. So then next, we have your spirit animal, Heather Mooney. Ooh, okay. So I don't know if you're an Iggy Azalea fan, Sam. I'm aware of her. So she has a music video out called, I don't know if I can say it on your podcast. You might have to bleep it. But the song is... It's fine. The song is called Fuck It Up. Okay. I had had never seen it before, but it's a... Romy and Michelle parody. Oh, funny. And they actually have an actress playing Heather Mooney in the video. <laughs> okay. Played by uh, Chloe Feynman from SNL. Usually when I see Chloe on SNL, she plays like younger characters. She's like kind of goofy looking, very um, energetic, ball of energy. Mm-hmm. 
And she was pulling off goth? Not well. So I, I but that so the reason why I brought that up is it made me think of other SNL people. And uh I ended up settling with Kate McKinnon. Got it. Okay. Uh the who everyone is familiar with. The actress uh who I wanted to play Heather Mooney um is in the remake or the TV show they're doing of Heather's. Uh, she also was in a project called Florida Girls and the upcoming League of Her Own. She's also someone who very much her star is rising right now. And I, the kind of characters she portrays kind of felt a little bit more within the Janine Garofalo goth aesthetic. Mm. Uh, this actress's name is Melanie Field. Oh, yeah, I can totally see it. But because Melanie Field is... Or, I'm sorry, because Heather Mooney is your spirit animal, I don't want to go with Melanie Field unless you're okay with it. Oh, no, I'm, I'm totally okay with it. All right, cool. Then let's do that. That brings us to Sandy Frank. Sandy was tough for me. Oh, see, this, because... this was easy for me, and I can only see one person playing it. All right, cool. Then you'll go second for this one. Uh, Sandy was tough for me because they have that kind of, like, goofy dance number at the end, which is... Like, when you're watching it, you're like, this is incredibly silly. But at the same time, it's like, look at these people just having the confidence to do this in front of all these people. Yeah, I I, I found it actually very moving. Yeah. Uh, live your bliss, have this moment, whatever. And so I did want someone who can dance. Perhaps not as well or as iconically as Alan Cummings, but someone who is doing well. So I went and I found someone from the TV show Bunheads. Oh. Uh, he's... Also in something called The Upshaws, and he's also a musician. This actor's name is Casey J. Adler. Okay, yep. And so like, he's kind of a one-for-one one in terms of who the character is in the movie, but I feel like he would work as uh, kind of a, ah, the the new young Alan Cummings, look at this kid. He's going to go be in Josie and the Pussycats Wednesday, and it's going to be great. Uh, did you do, I love Josie and the Did Pussycats. you do a podcast for Josie and the Pussycats? No, that's a tough one, because that movie's so specific, and it did so poorly, but I love that movie so much. It's so good. I don't know. It might, it might have to be remade, Sam. It might have to be remade. It's definitely a movie that, like, it's definitely a movie that more people should watch, and if we need to do a remake to get more people to watch it, I'm for it. Like, I'm open to doing that episode. Ah, love it. Love it. I love that movie. Um, but who did you have? You know, the name pops into my head, and now I can't see it as anything else. Uh, Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, I can see that. I, I, I What I would love is if you made him unrecognizable in mm. the young version, especially because he's so close to high school age. Oh, God, yeah, I guess he is pretty young, huh? I mean, he's 25, but, like, I, 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 yeah, that's fine. I'm willing to give that one to you, especially if that's all you can see in the role. I feel like he's the one who, like, looks like he's in high school now. And then you figure out ways to age him up for the older scenes. Well, plus, like, by the time we get our financing and production, it'll be another three years before we do our remake. <laughs> sure. I mean, at that point, some of the people we cast will be in their late 30s. That's true. But yeah, that that's... That, Tim, Timothee Chalamet is just fine for me for Sandy Frank. Uh, so that brings us to Christy Masters. Who did you have for Christy Masters? Oh, uh, 
it's a little it's a little obvious, I think. But uh, Emma, Emma Stone. Yeah, that I can see that. That is certainly within the realm of possibility. That certainly fits. Yeah, that that works. And it, and I can't comment on that because I I kind of went to a, a similar well with my casting. I cast Shailene Woodley from Divergent, from Descendants, from The Fault in Our Stars, who first became famous from Secret Life of the American Teenager. Oh, yes. Yeah. Totally can see that, too. Yeah. I mean, this is a bit of a toss-up. They're both... I mean, I would say Emma Stone's a little bit more of an A-lister than Shailene Woodley is, because I especially don't actually know what Shailene Woodley's been doing lately. I don't know. I feel like Emma Stone's career has taken her more to the the blockbuster, big ticket movie, and Shailene Woodley, especially after doing like The Descendants and everything, is kind of stepping back into like the dramas and stuff. Because after she did The Fault in Our Stars and all that. God, you know, I still haven't seen Big Little Lies yet. I feel like you would enjoy it. I say that as someone who hasn't myself watched it, but I feel like you would you would like it. As long as it's not too soapy, I'm just not big on like big soapy, you know. Yeah. I feel like either one of them would work. I really have no preference. Yeah, I don't really have a preference. I mean, we'd probably be more likely to get, as you said, Shailene Woodley. Probably. Yeah. Tell you what, let's leave it. Both are fine. Whichever one of us gets more people before we get to writer-director, the other one will get this one. Sound good? Sounds good. All right, cool. So let's talk about Vogue Lady. Let's talk about Lisa. And here's where I bring up a weird fact. So... Even though this is a movie about me and my life and how I live in L.A. and went back to Tucson for my 10-year high school reunion, someone I went to co- – not someone I went to college with, but someone from my college who graduated years before I was ever there. But uh, someone who went to Colorado College is now one of the editors or something at Vogue, and I find that very funny. Wow. And I don't know her name. I don't know her name, but it was this other weird little connection. I was like, oh, weird. Life, so I thought that was funny. Life imitating yeah, art, imitating life. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So I wanted I wanted to go with someone who very much could do fashion, who very much could fit in with the popular kids, but also could very easily slip away from the popular kids. And I went once again went to the Little Women well, and I pulled Saoirse Ronan. Oh, yeah. That's a good choice. And I thought she'd be uh, a fun choice for Lisa the Vogue lady. Yeah. Who did you have? Uh, I had Meredith Hagner, who... Um, I don't know who that is. She is one of the stars of Search Party. And yeah. she also has, like, a really good comic timing. And she's really good at cool. playing bitchy. Oh, yeah. And she's in Palm Springs. She's great. Let's go with her. Nice. I still have not seen Palm Springs yet. Ooh, I love Palm Springs. I really do. It's great. Is it a thriller? Uh, No. <laughs> It is a quirky comedy. Oh, well, then I would totally love it. Yep. Is, do you remember her in that? Is she any good? Uh, she's not a main character, but she's in it and she's great. Love it. I mean, describing her character, she's very good. If she's who I think she is, but I'm pretty sure she is. <laughs> uh, so then the only other two people I have cast are Billy Christensen and Toby Walters. Did you have anything else beyond those two or did you have those two? So I so for Toby, I'm going to take one of my previous people who wasn't cast, and I'll pitch Kate McKinnon again. Okay. Uh, I went with uh, an actress who is also in Search Party. She's also in I Love Dick and Two Dope Queens. Her name is Phoebe Robinson. Oh, okay. 
she is probably the oldest person in my cast, but I think the original Toby Walters was also the oldest person in the original cast, so I don't really think that matters. Right. Um, and I wanted someone who I wouldn't describe as, like, conventional model, beautiful, but still Hollywood attractive. Um, and I thought that could fit kind of, like, the not recognizable, because I don't, I don't want Kate McKinnon for the role of, like, this is the person that everyone keeps brushing off, because it's like, oh, Kate McKinnon. She's going to be important later. Right, I want right. this to be someone people don't necessarily recognize, but is still very good, very heartfelt. It's like, but can you please not tell me to fuck off, because that, that really hurts my feelings. Oh, I made your life miserable, of course. And so I, I thought Phoebe Robinson would be really good at that role. Yeah, I'm totally down with that. Cool. And then did you have anyone for Billy Christensen, or no? Uh, I did not. Okay, then let me tell you about who I have. Uh, I don't know if Paul has made you watch very much Scream Queens, but this actor is in Scream Queens. He's also in Rock of Ages, and he's in Terminator Dark Fate. This actor is named Diego Bonetta. Wait, Diego, what's his last name? Bonetta. Oh, Bonetta. N-E-T-A. Well, if he looks good with his shirt off. I mean, that's basically the rule, right? That's the rule. I'm looking for shirtless pics. I don't see any. I don't know. I'm disappointed, Sam. (laughs) <laughs> Once again, uh, oh no, here's there. one. Uh, oh yeah, he looks good with the shirt off. Okay, cool. That's all we need then. In that case, uh, let's go with Emma Stone for Christy Masters. Oh, uh, sure. Uh, uh, did you have any other cast before we get to writer director? No. Then that gives us four and four. So I think that's who we go with. Awesome, love it. But yeah, I thought Diego would be a fun choice for Billy Christensen, and yeah. So that's our cast, and now we're going to go to writer and director. I have a separate writer and director, uh, because again, it's a, <laughs> it's a movie about these two women, so I wanted both a female writer and a female director. Did you have two separate people, or did you have a writer-director, a singular person? Um, you know, I, I had a director, and I didn't think too much about who to have as the writer okay then let me tell you about my writer then you tell me about your director and then i i actually do have someone as a potential writer but i don't know yeah you you go first okay so the writer i have it it has done kind of the the quirky romantic movie before and she's done that both on film and she's done that for tv she wrote To All the Boys I've Loved Before, and she was also one of the writers on Man Seeking Wim- uh, Woman. And that blend of comedy and romance, I think, fits kind of the tone of what we're going for. Like, even if it's, like, building relationships and everything isn't necessarily about romantic relationships, I still feel like that works for what we're doing. And this writer's name is Sofia Alvarez. She also wrote something called Camp Blood, the musical. Oh, well, she has she has my heart already, then. <laughs> I love musicals and I love horror. So if it's a horror musical, I am there. Actually, it's looking like she didn't write it, but she was in it. Because I think this is from, like, when she was younger. Um, but yeah, uh, Man Seeking Woman um, and To All the Boys I've Loved Before. That's love it. kind of her two claims to fame right now. So yeah, I thought she'd be a fun writer for this. Yeah, I'm down to go with her. Then, who did you have for director? Uh, I had Olivia Wilde. Tell me why. Uh, Because she did Booksmart, 
which I feel is also like dealing with younger people, comedy, smart comedy. I don't know. I think that you do an interest, interesting take on it. Okay. I think that's fair. Um, let me tell you about who I have. Um, the the woman I had to direct this hasn't directed that much. I know she has a bunch of stuff in production right now, but the movie that everyone will have seen that she's done is uh, Booksmart. And, uh, but she's had a long career as an actress before then. And uh, I just think Olivia Wilde would be an excellent director <laughs> for this movie. <laughs> You I don't also say. had Olivia Wilde. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, Sega I love it. Twins. I mean, it, it 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 fits. Like, Booksmart is is about that kind of like friendship relationship that is just like you found this person. Yes. And even though Booksmart's resolution is that like you can still be friends even if you're not always together, I I still feel like that appreciation for and acceptance of what high school is now versus what kind of our perception, our Hollywood perception of high school is in Booksmart is just so good and so well portrayed that I think Olivia Wilde did such an amazing job. Yeah. Agreed. And yeah, the relationships feel real and the whole cast system feels real. Yeah. Just like a real way that kids interact with each other. Completely agree. Cool. All right. So that's, uh, that's our cast. Let me take you through our Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. Our Romy White is going to be played by Francia Reza. Michelle Weinberg is going to be Lily Reinhardt. Heather Mooney is going to be Mel- Melanie Field. Sandy Frank is going to be Timothée Chalamet. Christy Masters is going to be Emma Stone. Lisa, the Vogue Lady, will be Meredith Hagner. Billy Christensen is going to be Diego Bonetta. Toby Walters will be portrayed by Phoebe Robinson. All of this will be written by Sofia Alvarez and directed by Olivia Wilde. And that is our movie. You gonna go see this? Oh, you know, I would see that. I, I, you, know, <laughs> I, you know, because I came into this with a healthy do- dose of skepticism, Sam, I'm not gonna lie. Like this, That's fair. You know, I've seen this movie like 30 times. I feel like it's one of my favorite comedies um i think the acting is so superb all around like there there really isn't a weak link acting wise in any of this Um, i agree with that too so it was hard for me to go in thinking like gosh like what would make it worthwhile to get an ideal remake but i think we did it cool good for us good for us in that case, thank you so much for being my guest for this episode. Like, I, I didn't say this at the beginning, but when the idea of remaking this movie was put in my head, the only person I could think of that I could do this, like, that, who I could remake this movie with was you. Like, ah. because I know it's your favorite movie, you're the only person I asked. I was like, oh, I have to ask Josh to oh, remake this movie with me. Thank you. I really do appreciate that. And, you know, just you're as welcome. a... It's your movie. You know, I as a sentimental... Um, Thank you. You know, this is a movie that me and my friend Chad Davis, who uh, passed last month, unfortunately, really great guy, one of my best friends, you know, we would quote this movie ad infinium to each other. And we always <laughs> had arguments who was the Mary and who was the Rhoda. Eventually, I was always the Rhoda because I am the Jewish one. So, uh,. <laughs> But, you know, this this movie just brings up so many warm, nostalgic fuzzies for me. Uh, I really thank you for the opportunity to uh, participate with this. Of course. 
and that that's a really sweet thing to bring to this movie. I, I think like that that's always one of the great things about friendship is just having this piece of like this outside piece that you're like, it's us, but in this other thing. And I always think that's super fun. Like I, I have friends who I have a thing that will quote ad infinitum or infinitum, whatever, however the word's pronounced with each yeah. other. And I think that's just so important. And I'm glad that y- you two had this movie for that. Cause this is a perfect movie for that. Yes. This movie really is a testament to friendship. Yeah. yeah. Um, so now to follow up something heartfelt with something, uh, that we've kind of been talking about all episodes. So you have anything you want to promote? Any social medias you want people to follow? Oh my God. New Instagram. No, I don't have anything on there yet, but I am getting my, you know, yeah. So I do do stand up comedy. I'm performing tomorrow in Canada, La Crescenta, uh, La Cunada. La, La Cunada. Thank you. Um, but by the time this airs, I will have already performed. Uh, yeah. What What is your social media? Oh, what What is your Instagram? Oh my God! I think it's just my name. Like I literally don't have anything on there yet. I don't even think I've checked it yet. Hold on. <laughs> no, I seriously like just got an account like a week and a half ago. Perfect timing. Okay, so it's Joshua Kaufman. It's just my name. J o s h u a. Followed. K o f f m a n. But there ain't anything on there yet. Well, I have the distinct honor of being your very first follower. Oh, thank you, Sam. You're very welcome. (laughs) Fun. I mean, and I think that being the person who's starting a new social media account, especially after the episode that we just created, is appropriate and good. And I like it. And good for you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. If you're interested in following me, I am at Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H, on Twitter. Or you can follow the podcast at Ideal Remake or on Twitter or Instagram or join us on Facebook, Ideal Remake or Ideal Remake Podcast. Um, yeah. So check those places out. Or the thing you could do that would really be amazing is to go online and subscribe to Ideal Remake. Uh, you can subscribe and follow on any podcatcher and that would work well. And I think... Over the hiatus, I have some new Ideal Remake reviews, so I wanted to thank the people who wrote those reviews. Let me pull that up. We had someone named Eddie Love who said, a great concept that is truly so much fun to listen to, so thank you very much to them. Uh, Someone named Unbreakable Liz said, this is a fun concept. I enjoy the nostalgia of visiting some of my favorite childhood movies and contemplating how they could be improved and modernized in ways that are thoughtful and creative. Sam is a great host, and he invites guests with diverse and interesting perspectives. I highly recommend this podcast. So I wanted to say thank you both so much for taking the time to leave some reviews. Those always help, and that is how people find the podcast. If you want to do something to help this podcast or any podcast, going on to Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star review is amazingly helpful. Um, So yeah, that takes us to the end of this episode so josh once again thank you for being my guest so we'll end with this what is your favorite quote or the quote you can think of right now from Romeo and michelle's high school reunion oh wow so many um so many i'm trying to think of, of my favorite i you know I, i'm i'll go with the one that i laugh at every single time what kind of business you girls in <laughs> 